Hey everybody, my guest today is a pastry chef that was actually one of my past clients and I said to myself, I gotta get this guy in the show. And when I first thought to myself that I was gonna interview him, I thought I was gonna be learning a ton about the industry of pastries. But on the contrary, it was so much more than that. He talked about how when he first started out as a pastry chef, how if he was gonna wanna sustain his lifestyle, he was gonna have to gain new skills. And the insight on his business was just very eye-opening. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Please welcome Tom Hamerka. You're listening to The Chicago Hustle, a podcast that highlights the struggles, successes, and overall journey of Chicagoans pursuing their passion. My name's Edward Terrace, and I'm a Chicago real estate broker that focuses on understanding the rental and sales market to facilitate the sale of property, along with providing my clients a roadmap to one of the biggest necessities of life, a place to call home. And I'm sitting down with our neighbors to learn about their process, the lessons they've learned, and how they're making an impact. Tom Hermerka, man. All right, thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Super excited to jump on a call. It's been a while since we've caught up. Yeah, it has been a while. So uh, I kind of talked about this a little bit on the the Instagram channel. Uh, When I first met you, I think it was about two years ago when we first met. Uh, not not far from that, yeah. And you're you're living at the, you're still living at the same building that uh, I'm not going to say your address, but uh, <laughs> you're still living at the yes. same address. Same address. You just moved to a different unit. No, uh, still in the same unit. Oh, same unit. Yeah. Okay, so for anybody who doesn't know, which is pretty much everybody, I worked with Tom to get his apartment that he has in in Chicago here and when I when I first met Tom uh, you know because when I'm driving around with people in in the car uh, I I almost practice interviewing people now whenever I meet a new person I'm like oh what what questions could I possibly ask them to learn about their life and naturally it comes out about who they are and what they do and you started asking me questions that were very specific and I was like all right there's something behind this guy and you you said, oh, well, I'm, I'm a pastry chef. And then when I looked up your, your channel, I was like, whoa. So this guy runs a huge page uh, and he's really into this. I mean, so with, with your page, you know, everyone's got kind of a, a very specific goal. When I first, you know, started talking to you, you said that you wanted to have some type of online training platform for people in your niche, right? Yeah, it's... Um... I like to think of it more of as like a publication, like a, like a, for the 21st century, similar to like Buzzfeed has evolved into say like this news media outlet. I'm thinking that I would like the same thing for, for pastry, the similar sort of like vein and approach to how they go about creating content. So publication, when you say publicate, I I guess I'm not really too, you're going to have to fill me in. Sure. So publication, anything like a magazine, um, yeah, any, anything that really has and hosts a lot of different types of media. So that could be print, that could be video, that could be photos, that could be um, a bunch of other different types of medias. Okay, so yeah. and, and there, is there a certain amount of, so with your, with your work as a pastry chef, because you're you're all over the place, man. When I first met you, you told me about what you do. I mean, you're, uh, cause where, where do you work now as a pastry chef? So 
I, I've been removed from the kitchen. I more so um, am working with other chefs in their kitchens and, and really highlighting them. So I, I actually work for a separate restaurant group um, during my nine to five. And this is something that I do on the side and kind of just work with promoting pastry uh, in general and other chefs. Okay. So your, your, your full-time work is, is it essentially the, the same as your like side hustle? It, it's exactly the same. The only thing that's different is the, um, the, uh, the, just the creative subject. You know, it's, it's the same sort of content strategy and how you go about approaching things, the methodology, the branding, or the thought process behind that. All of that is the same. It just has a different appearance, uh, or I should say a different wrapper. So I guess at what point when you were, because when you were, you know, working as a, you know, uh, what, I mean, I'm assuming you're working full time as a pastry chef at one point. Mm-hmm. I was. Yeah. Okay. So at, at what point were you always doing this online marketing with that type of work or you just no. you fell into it? That, that was uh, a complete accident. So I started working in restaurants when I was 16 and basically decided that I was going to be a chef at, at 13. We had a really awesome culinary vocational program within my school district in high school. Um, and I've always had the, the thought that you have to do what you love. I can remember sitting in a class in first grade and saying, I don't know what the hell I'm doing here. Like This makes zero sense to me. I don't know what value this is really giving me but I played sports and like that's where my mind was I just wanted to go do sports so when I found food it was that same exact like aha moment where I realized that this is something that I could do for a living and I already enjoyed doing it so it's just a matter of just continuing to build on that so as I was going through the motions and getting my first kitchen job when I was 16 and kind of like working my way up and then going out to school you know, I, I take it very seriously what I do for a living, not necessarily because I want to be great at it, just because it's my passion and it's something that's like very embedded in me. And so I knew at some point that I was going to have to open up my own business in order to achieve what my vision of success was. And that's sort of where um, marketing kind of came into play because a craftsman, uh, a real estate agent, a artist, uh, you name the type of business. When you transfer into ownership, the last thing that you do is whatever you were really originally passionate about. And so it becomes much more about managing the business and growing the people and giving the support. And so that's, that's kind of where uh, the digital marketing came into play was okay. This is another skill set that I need to build, and in order to build my business, this this is what I have to do. And so, uh, pastry elite is what came of that okay. an accident, more or less. And, and I like how you said that last part, where is if this is what you were going to want to do, the digital aspect of it was something that you were just going to have to learn and adapt to be if you wanted to do that uh, right. because last week I interviewed uh, a mixed martial artist and I don't know if you're a huge uh, I'm a big MMA fan I don't know if you are I saw I, I saw that on your page I've, I've actually taken a few jujitsu classes and I'm gonna get into it we can chat about that I'm nice sure. yeah because uh, when I was talking to him 
he said that too is uh with with mma is you yes you have to be a good fighter but you also have to be able to promote yourself mm-hmm. and he talked about how that's something he also works on too because in, in the fight game half of it's fighting and then half of it is promotion so that's that's pretty sweet how you talk about how it's it's just another commonality between you know it's two completely different worlds but it's you know this you still have to do the same promotion mm-hmm. and then there's many other people like i'm sure that you know within the mma space that don't have the biggest names but you know they're killer fighters and the only thing that's holding them back is just the self-promotion of that. And some people don't want to do the self-promotion and other people hire the other people to do it for them so that they can get their names out there and do it bigger. So kill two birds with one stone and just learn it yourself. That's, that's my thought, at least initially. Like yeah. uh, I would say learn enough to be dangerous. And then once you're dangerous, you know, pass that skill or pass that task off to someone else and then get, get the ball rolling in, in the next thing and what you need to learn to get where you want to go. Yeah. I love that. So with your school, I mean, I know where I went to school. Did you go to a very big, did you live in a big area before this? Did you grow up in this area? In uh, Chicago? Yeah. Uh, I actually have, I've lived in a few different places. I grew up in Cleveland. Um, okay. I wasn't, I'm not super crazy about Cleveland. Uh, somehow managed to get into like snowboarding when I was a kid. And so I had dreams of going out to Colorado and kind of, you know, just spending some time on the mountains out there. And as I was evaluating culinary schools, um, came across the school called Johnson and Wales. It was a very prominent school for culinary hospitality. Uh, they, they have one of their campuses there. So they have okay. four campuses. Um, all three of them were on the East coast and there was one in Denver. So for me, it was, it was a no brainer. I'm kind of an all or nothing guy. And it's the only school I applied to got in and, uh, moved out there and stayed out there for five years. Okay. Yeah. So when you were in high school, that, I mean, that's pretty sweet how they, they had a, an initial program for you. Cause I know where I went to high school, we didn't really have anything out that, and when in, when in high school, I feel like a lot of times people almost think the only outlets that there are would be sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that might be the case, but uh, so that's pretty cool how your school had that. It was just an elective, I'm assuming. Um, it, it was an elective, you know, being that it's a very blue collar area that I grew up in they really embrace trades. So whether you're going to be into like cosmetology or you wanted to be like a dental assistant, um, you wanted to be a photographer. Like that's what my best friend from high school did was he got into the videography and photography and you spend three to four periods a day, uh, your junior and senior year going through these programs and they teach you all about that trade. So once you're out of high school, you can just jump into that. Okay. And so when you went to Johnson and Wales, how, how long did you say you were there? Uh, I was at the college for four years. Okay. Four years. So, well, I guess what is the, the, the path? I mean, cause some people would go specifically, you know, cause when you first started out as a, as a pastry chef, did you think that was going to be what you were going to do forever? Uh, it was, it was my belief that I, that I was going to do it forever. Uh, I would say it's it's been an evolution. I don't 
the more you know and the more knowledge you acquire, the more you realize you still have to learn or the bigger that dream becomes. And so as I was, you know, figuring out how to, to go about doing this thing, it just took this other progression because there were other circumstances in my life that happened. There were other sorts of things within the economy that happened that I just felt that, and also personal needs was a big one, that in order to fulfill all of these things, that something needed to change. And so that's um, where the digital marketing piece kind of started was at that was at that point where I was like, okay, if the, I don't think that you should get rid of any of your skill set. You think of people who like start over, like they get burnt out, they go back to school for something totally different, and then they start this new career and they basically start over. And the question that I posed to myself was, I know I don't want to go back to school. I know that I still love this. I don't think I could do it forever. But if I were to be able to utilize my skill set in the best way that I know how, what would I do? And so I just had to learn some extra skill sets because once you get out into the field, people are going to train you. Like to me, a degree is completely useless because when you step into a new role, they're going to train you how you want to do anything anyways. You just have to be competent. And I know the type of learning, like my learning style, and I learned by doing. So I'm just going to go out and I'm going to do it. And, and so to me, it just made no sense to go back to school. Um, I, I kind of blanked on the end of it there. I don't know if I completely no. answered your question. No, that was, uh, that was a more than I – oh, that's – that was actually perfect. <laughs> okay. So when you said, you said that your, your personal needs changed. So, I mean, you were, when you were a pastry chef and you said like the more that you learn, it just, it, it grew into something more and how, what, what personal needs changed to the point where you felt like that was the next step? Sure. Uh, I would say, Part, part of my journey is I, I'm willing to do whatever it takes in order to acquire the things I wanted to acquire. And so I can remember sitting in my entrepreneurship class when I was 20, and I, and I gave myself the goal that by the time I was 30, I was going to own my own business. And so if that was going to be real. I needed to train from the best people, and I need to really dedicate and discipline myself. And so in doing so, there's a trade-off within the food industry, at least. You can work in larger corporate businesses and you can get more money because those businesses are larger and you have more things to manage. Or you can go someplace small and you can um, really learn the craft from some really talented people and you're not going to make very much doing it. So at first when I got out of school, I was at the Ritz-Carlton and I was um, running their fine dining pastry program uh, back out in Beaver Creek. Uh, did that for a little bit, and I thought, okay, I know I can do this, but at the end of the day, uh, am I going to be sacrificing any of the things that I want to be learning about my craft? And I, and I thought that I was. So I ended up moving from um, Colorado to Minneapolis to work for a pastry chef where I was making – basically minimum wage after 
already being in the industry for eight years. So, I mean, being out of college, making minimum wage, not being around anyone, I've moved to places not knowing anyone. So completely starting over, there's a lot of financial burden that comes with that. And doing that for two and a half years, I said, okay, I feel like not that I've learned everything that I need to learn, but I've taken on as much burden as I can possibly handle before I move on to that next step. And that next step would have come with a lot of unknowns. Um, and it also came with being in my mid twenties, um, needing more stability, having other things I want out of life. And, um, I just needed something that was going to be able to suit that because in like the food industry, you're, it's almost guaranteed that you're going to work at minimum like 50 or 60 hours a week. If you're going to be in this role and like really take it seriously to be like a really high class, high level chef, like that, that's what I would expect to put on myself and doing that for somebody else. When I know the ultimate goal is to work for myself, I thought that I'm going to go out and get the knowledge anyways. So I don't necessarily have to work for anybody else to continue growing. And that's at that same time where pastry elite started as well was, okay, I've, I haven't learned enough, but I've learned what I feel is necessary at least now that I have a really solid foundation to at least go out and do things on my own. And what is, what is pastry elite for anybody that doesn't know? So I would say it started out as basically a challenge to myself that I just wanted to share one thing a day that I was using in order to educate myself um, rather than just being in books, which I was, but social media was becoming much more prominent. So it's a social media. Um, I'm just going to say social media brand that showcases and curates different artistic works um, and different materials, tricks of the trade and um, trends from the industry. That's the way that I would best describe it. And it's evolved into being um, not just curated, but original content. So one of the things that I've had to teach myself over the last two years since moving to Chicago is being more of an artist behind a camera. So I do and have taught myself photography and videography in order to help build and grow things a bit more. Okay. So now Pastry Elite, is that your company? Is it somebody you work with? Uh, it is just me. So. Okay. Yeah. So what, because when I look at the Pastry Elite page, it's, I mean, you have quite the following. I mean, you have like, 300,000 uh, followers on that page. When you get to that level of having that many followers, I feel like there's a lot that comes with that, that people don't know people, something I wouldn't know, whether it's uh, paid advertisements or various opportunities. What, what comes with that? As far as like, financially what you're trying to do sure, or you're thinking yeah. about like the workload to do that well, i guess i'm wondering because whenever i see a page with three hundred thousand followers i think to myself okay do they do they make a certain amount of money from 
from ads? Do they have uh, the the collaboration that people reach out to you for? I guess when you got to a certain follower count, did, did it start to change what you got from it? I don't know if that's making any sense. Um, I wouldn't. I mean, things have changed because my one of the biggest hurdles that I had was not being able to create my own content. So if I'm going to be able to do a collaboration of any sorts, I have to be able to create. And also, like as you end up growing, your responsibility, or at least that I put on myself, to put out a certain quality or to showcase people in a certain way just continues to grow, right? So I had to be able to teach myself photography and videography in a way that I thought was comfortable, not that it was comfortable, but in a way that I was comfortable sharing. So that, that was a hurdle for me. Another thing that I, there's many mistakes that we make along the way. I could have monetized earlier, but I didn't want to sell out necessarily so what do you mean and, by selling out so uh, because this is very much a, a passion of mine yeah you see some people that end up they monetize and then the page or just whatever they they do just becomes an ad yeah or a promotion okay that that isn't the intention with doing what i was doing and also within the world of, of pastry, at least, the people who are going to pay you are very few, I'm just going to say few companies um, in, what, in what they offer. So those types of businesses are very large scales. The biggest scale companies are like chocolate companies, vanilla companies, flour companies. These are people that produce things at scale because any sort of smaller business isn't going to have the marketing budget or have the buy-in to what social media can do in order to invest dollars there. So okay. that's a separate thing. So I should have, I personally should have been working to um, find different ways to support myself to continue to grow pastry elite. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if that. Yeah, no, that, that okay. absolutely answered my question because I, I guess if you were to look at somebody's Instagram page or business and mm -hmm. it has a specific theme and then it starts to change completely. Well, the people that were there originally for that, well, it's not what it was for them. Right. And so in order for it to stay true, I, I've, as I've taught myself photography and videography, the win, win, win that I've created is, you know, I'm going to go work with uh, another chef who's already on my radar whether they are sponsored by another company or not already, doesn't really matter. But then I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna seek someone else who wants to work with me, combine the three of us, and then create um, content and materials that would showcase this product being used in a natural way. So if you were to think about, um, I want to think of like a movie or a TV show. And for whatever reason, you know, that label is pointed right out and you see like an Apple logo and they're on their computers or something yeah. like that. Is it paid? I don't know, but the product placement is perfect. And that's what I'm trying to think of as I'm doing something like this is I don't want it to feel like an app. I want it to feel like someone is a gaining value. That's the number one thing that I look for is, 
is this still going to be relevant and be able to provide value to um, the people who are going to be consuming the content in my core audience? And if it's yes, then cool, it'll work. If not, then I don't really budge in that way. You know, it, it has, at the end of the day, if it's not bringing value to them, it's only going to be hurting me in the future because, like you said, once it starts to turn into something different, you you can't erase that impression yeah. that you've left with that person. And how, do you run more pages then? Because I remember I talked to you about at one point with my company, uh, uh-huh. you had asked if we had anybody run on our page. Do you, I guess, how many pages do you do you run right now? Uh, so between my nine to five, the pastry elite page, and then another client that I work with, I think it's about 19 pages. Whoa. Yeah. Do you use a certain software to help manage all that? Cause I can't, I run two pages <laughs> thinking to myself, I can't even. <laughs> well, the, I would say there's, there's so many different um, types of software that are out there. It's just the right organization is what's going to help set you apart. Um, So whether that's comments and being able to communicate with people or that um, the media and being able to efficiently schedule everything though, there's no real perfect solution. It's just, what you're capable of working with. So like Sprout is one, um, Icono Square is another one that I like to use. Um, Later is another app, but you know, they all have their different price points and what makes sense. So it's, it's, it's always about what, what's, what fits right. Yeah. Okay. And then you talked about, because now you, when you meet up with other chefs and uh, what are, all the other work that you're doing, you're talking about how delegation is, is so important. Do you think, or is there a certain level that you feel like you're going to need to get to, to point where somebody else is doing your photography for you? Or do you feel like that's something you're always going to want to do because you're super passionate about it? Um, I wouldn't say like, I'm passionate about photography now. I'm 100%, um, like on board with being able to pass that along to someone. And this is kind of where I was mentioning that I needed to find a way to monetize earlier. Okay. Because if I can't monetize, then I can't hire someone in order to do those things in order for me to grow. So what the question became, what is this thing that I need to do in order to get some sort of an income and then be able to delegate. So I'm at, that's kind of like the point where I'm at right now. So I'm, I've been working to manufacture in, um, an apron. So we're getting down to the finalization of that and then have a product that would be able to support me without having to do project based work, which is the advertising work that I've been doing previously. So in doing that, I free up more of my time because there's so much that goes into doing a collaboration like that. Cause it's not like I'm just going somewhere in Chicago. I was in Ecuador a month ago with a chocolate company and I was there. I had to take a week off work. I had to shoot for five, five days. And then there's all the editing, which is where most of the work comes in. Oh goodness, it's all yeah. the writing for all of that. So, this thing turns into a two or three week project when 
if you have something that's more scalable, like a product, like an apron that I can have someone else manufacture and I can sell, which I'm already doing naturally, that would highlight the brand, gives me the opportunity to then share um, more of that work. So as I go and do these chef collaborations, it just be that becomes my marketing materials, if you think about it that way. Yeah, totally. So the the apron that you are you're working on currently then i'm assuming you're reaching out to uh did, do you check out like alibaba.com or random stuff like that or you reach out to a specific manufacturer or? that's that's originally the route that i went and i went with yeah. alibaba uh got incentive i sent a few ideas to them got a sample wasn't super thrilled with what i got i was like okay this is this is always the hurdle this is always the game you don't know what you don't know I walked in knowing that I wasn't going to be completely thrilled because it's a learning process. But after that I said, okay, I need to, I need to figure something else out. And then I ended up going on Upwork and I found myself a apparel designer that's out in LA and we've been working together to um, get, get all that dialed in. And one of his other skill sets, if you haven't been on Upwork, you know, Think of LinkedIn, but for freelancers. So you're able to search and find any sort of freelancer that you're looking for. They end up having like bullet points and what their skill sets are. So I was like, okay, I need an apparel designer that also knows how to do sourcing, that can do, say, Photoshop or understands other graphic design elements, and ended up coming up and across this guy. It's like, fingers crossed. I hope this is the guy and uh, sent me a proposal and it's been smooth sailing since then. Nice. Yeah. Now, it works awesome, man. I, it's cause in, you know, in real estate too, I mean, there's certain tasks that, and, and I wanted to ask you this too, because whenever I'm working, there's tasks where I, uh, it's a very, it's a very personal business. So when I'm with people, that's when I'm making money. And when I'm not with people and I'm doing all of the, the monotonous tasks that take a really long time, if, if you're able to delegate that, that uh, will allow you to have the higher money-making activities. So once you are able to pay somebody to, whether it's the editing or doing the photography, at, what, at the next level, are you, what, what's going to be like the biggest money making activities for you after that? Like what's your job going to become then? It's just going to just be more brand awareness, meeting with more people or. Uh, I don't think of it. I'm not thinking of making money or delegating first. My thought is just, you know, what is the problem that I'm trying to solve? You know, I posed this question to a friend of mine that I work with, which, uh, I was curious to hear his response. And the question was, you know, what is the purpose of business for having a business? And his response was to make money. And I told him no. And I was like, guess again. He's like, if it's not money, I have no idea what it is. It's like, really? Like I, he's, he's a very smart guy. So I, was expecting him to have have a second idea and i i told him the purpose of a business is to solve a problem the 
money is what you need in order to sustain the ability to continue to solve that problem. So I'm looking for other opportunities and problems to solve. And then everything else just fuels my ability to solve other problems that I end up seeing in the industry. So this apron tends to be the um, initial core to be able to go out, start supporting these other chefs or start putting on events at restaurants where I can highlight them or talk about the industry and continue to grow it because at least pastry in the US, it's not very, it's not consumed like it is over in Europe. And so one of the things that I've seen as I've gotten to go to all these other places is it's not that they don't appreciate it. They just don't know what goes into it and they don't know what, like where to find these places because they're few and far between. And, people in uh, different countries? Uh, people here in the U.S. I oh, in the say. U.S. Okay. Because like I mentioned earlier, the people who, um, there's plenty of people that are out there and they don't promote themselves very well the higher that you go up on the uh, I'm just gonna say like the craftsman scale I think the less you end up promoting yourself or the lower your skill set is for promoting yourself because you generally rely on your the product to speak for itself or you just put all of your time and energy into learning your craft so they still need someone to go and do that for them. And because the value system is slightly different for uh, the U.S., I think there's a big opportunity to start highlighting the people that I know in the U.S. who are producing great pastry that just it's not widely known yet, that like who they are and what they do. Yeah, and that's got to be such a, such a niche group. Do you guys have a uh, – so in, in real estate, we have a, a summit. Uh, in mm -hmm. regards to like when we were getting coached by people on just how many, and, and they also, they always say that too. I love how you said that is one, one of the coaches I I've had is he says, you know, we get, we get paid in the amount of proportion to the amount of problems that we solve. Mm -hmm. So I love how you said that. And so we have like, we have a summit that we go to and we meet with thousands of, of, of realtors. Do you have a specific uh, events that you go to year round to learn from other people? Um, when it comes in regards to business or pastry? I, gu I guess it would be both then. I mean, I'm assuming you go to multiples then. Yeah. yeah. I would say within the U S there isn't really a strong or event to go to for that, which is one of the problems that I'd like to solve. Uh, there isn't really a pastry organization. There is uh, something called the Bread Bakers Guild of America in the U.S. for bakers, and that's a very tight-knit group of people. But I want to be able to create something like that for pastry. So in the U.S., it doesn't exist, but there are other things that I did. Um, the International Baking Expo in uh, Vegas comes around. I think it's every two or three years, and I'll be going that to that this year i was just in france twice within the last six months one was for this competition called the world chocolate masters uh, and the other one was called the coupe de monde and they're they're both the basically the two highest competitions or i shouldn't say highest but a very very elite select group of people go to do this so like with the coupe de monde let's say 
it's a competition that happens every two or three years. Um, there's 22 or 23, it's something in the 20s as far as how many countries are there and represented. And there's four people that are there representing their country. They train for a year, two years, three years prior to getting there, just like anyone who is an athlete would do. And they have to create a number of different really high level groups. Like you have to create cakes and sculptures and desserts, just a, a full spectrum of products at like a super high level. Um, so those are the things that I try and go to to stay in touch with that. Because again, I think that's another opportunity where there could be coverage in, and different media that's created around that, that I think would bring more awareness and make it more accessible because I've touched on how many hours chefs generally spend in the kitchen. If you spend that much time in the kitchen, sometimes it's not by choice. It's just, that's what you have to do, but they still would like to be able to see and experience those things. And that's the beautiful thing about social media is that everything is so accessible. You just need the right person, the right people to showcase that and, and bring it to them now that event sounds intense <laughs> <laughs> it's, it was very intense so when you're at those events so you basically your your goal is overall are you're just looking to figure out more ways on how to solve more problems just networking it in in general uh yeah i would say it's definitely both of those the networking and i still love pastry although i'm not in yeah, the kitchen no of course like like it, it still feeds feeds like my soul to be there and see all these things being done because i had you know dreams to do those things and i think there's other people that have dreams to do that too so to make that more accessible for them i think is is necessary um and if also being in that industry and that's what i was shooting for i also know a lot of other people that were in that competition space and so it's like hanging around with your friends like if yeah like if you go to real estate events and you're trying to grow that you you run into those people you think about i'm sure oh, you know the it's a blast yeah yeah it's it's fun hanging around people who are equally as passionate and driven as you sometimes in your day-to-day -day life you don't get to surround yourself with those types of um people or not everyone has the same ambition, but to be in a place where everyone has that ambition and drive and passion about a certain topic that's can't replace that. You know, and I, I actually, uh, on my personal Instagram today, I talked about this a little bit. So when I was in, in college, I studied sociology and one of the, one of the laws of sociology is that we're, we're all naturally and inevitably social as human beings. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, you know, whether you're into pastry or fitness or whatever it is, I feel like subconsciously the goal is still the same at the end is to be with people. And I, I think that's super cool because we're all doing different things, but, but at the end we all, you know, we all want the same thing. I think it's pretty sweet. And this is, maybe it's somewhat off topic, but to me, mm -hmm. fulfillment is something that's outside of yourself. Like happiness is something that's like specific to you and doing things like for yourself. In some ways you can find happiness and fulfillment, but to me, fulfillment comes from wanting to do things for other people. Yeah, no, it's so funny is, uh, I, I totally agree. When, 
I mean, this is a very simple form of saying that, but I'll go out to, I'll go out to the mall with my girlfriend and she won't buy a single thing for herself, but then I'll be some, look at something like, ah, I don't want that. She's like, Oh, you want me to buy it for you? Like you'll go all day <laughs> without buying yourself something, but then you'll buy something for me. Uh, but yeah, totally. So I, when you talk about people having, you know, dreams or things that they want to do, you, you have to be able to, you said, you know, we, we all solve problems, but you have to, of course, be able to make money so you can keep solving that problem, whatever your passion is. Right. What are the ways, I mean, if somebody was to want to monetize something, what are the simplest ways that somebody could do that so they can pursue their passion? Uh, with that's so it, it can be specific to whatever the sure i'm sure is. that's a super broad question no, no, the 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 question that i i wouldn't necessarily give an answer i'd propose questions you know what what things are out there say if it's about um oh i'm gonna blank but whatever your passion is there's other people that are also interested in that thing so if it's something like um, say if it's about like pottery, right? Okay. One of the, one of the things that you could do is teaching. I think within the digital age, everyone realizes, Hey, teaching is something that's highly scalable. I can sell classes. I can do this thing. Um, I think there's, some sleazy ways to do that as well, where it's not necessarily benefiting anybody. Um, How so? Some, to some extent. Well, it's, it, I think it runs more rampant within the digital marketing space. A digital marketer learns digital marketing from someone who's selling them a course to, and they, they're teaching you how to sell a course. So that's all they know how to do. So it's just kind of like a perpetual I'm a guru, I'm a whatever. And so you learn from people who haven't really learned anything other than how to sell a course from someone who sells a course. Okay. So it's missing the skills. Yeah. Okay. And so that, that would be the thing is, is, is it doing that? And as they're teaching you, they're teaching you a specific script because it, there is a bit of salesmanship that goes into that. And in that script, you you make claims and, do you live up to those claims is a different story. So if you have those skills, you have to be able to differentiate yourself as well and not just be selling the same thing, which can be hard to distinguish whether or not someone has the skills or not. If you don't have the experience or awareness in the first place, which is why you're going to go to learn something is to acquire those things, but you don't know what you don't know. So, that's that's kind of a different topic to not answer your yeah, question for sure but but when it comes to monetizing you could create products um there's products or services is what it comes down to so it could be something grand it could be something small um i but i think at the end of the day don't bite off more than you can chew is something that i would say do something that you could do and replicate and then as you can do and replicate something, then figure out what you can do. Because I think about trying to create good habits, trying to create something that's sustainable. And if it's fitting those things, then I think you're on the right path to figuring out a greater problem to solve. 
because you're going to start having more communications with people, figuring out what else they need, what else you can serve to them um, that they haven't yet asked for. So it's almost the, have you ever, I, I'm pretty sure it's a book, but I've, I've heard the concept so many times. The, the one, have you ever read the book called The One Thing? I, I know of it, but I haven't read it. Yeah, so I, I, I feel bad mentioning it and not have, okay. have been reading it, <laughs> reading it before. But essentially, the, uh, it's, it's written by Gary Keller. Uh, he owns Keller Williams. And the idea is getting super hyper-specific, very good at one task. Yes. Essentially, that one t- the skills that you obtained through that one task is going to uh, open up so many more opportunities in your life. So when you are going to be solving problems in a different way, those skills will ultimately transfer over or just yes. you're gonna be able to provide so much more value to people because you're that good at that specific thing. Right. And the better that you are at that thing, the easier it becomes to sell and talk about as well. So I think there's a lot of value to that. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why I needed to, teach myself photography for like a year, year and a half before I was even comfortable doing that because I, I need to feel like an expert in order to go out and do something in order to execute on something. And now, now I'm doing that. Uh, you have to be able to put those repetitions in. So whatever it is, you gotta, you gotta put it in. Yeah. Put in the time. So if somebody were to monetize, whether it be uh, a how to video teaching various things you would just say pick pick one that you know pick one that you can replicate and just focus on that one and then once you get really good at that then take the next step yeah and and when you said video it also rang a bell to me too i mean youtube's a great way to monetize um so again it, it kind of pulls down into you still have to know how to create some sort of media if you're going to start out doing something and you can't pay somebody. So I'd say take whatever sort of passion that you have and figure out how you're going to market yourself. So don't just think about the problem, but think about how you're going to showcase how you can solve that problem or, or at least entertain people uh, with what you're doing. Yeah, it's so crazy because it's almost as if the day and age that we're in, it really doesn't matter what you're doing. You're going to have to learn or you're going to have to pay somebody who can market, be an online marketer for you. It's almost inevitable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it certainly is. You, you think about any sort of interaction that you're going to have with someone or think about how many people, how many interactions that you have on a day-to-day basis, how many of those people are just like one-on-one it, it might not be very many but once you take that online it's there's so much other data that's out there for people to find you because you can only spend maybe like five or ten minutes with someone at a time maybe that you you don't know but for anyone else that's out there they can access it at any time so totally yeah i mean when i was talking to my buddy eduardo who's a uh... He's uh, a physical trainer now and he's starting to take it to the point where he's doing online training because he can ultimately then solve more problems because the platform can just (laughs) thousands and thousands of people. Right. So when you talk about me needing to discipline yourself, because I feel like anytime somebody's taking a new venture, 
Cause when you were working full time, you said nine to five and it just, it wasn't fulfilling your, your personal wants or your needs. Was there, there had to be a point in time where you had to put in, and I'm sure you still put in a, after your nine to five, uh, in building that discipline of, of doing extra hours after work was there ever times where it just was a real pain in the ass and you didn't want to do it anymore. Uh, or you were just so passionate that it just was a part of it. And uh, I, one of the things that I know about myself, like I'm a sucker for TV. I haven't had one for 10 years because it's a thing that's around me. So if you know something isn't good for you and is keeping you from your goals and what you want to do. For me, um, I tend to gravitate towards that. So I just need to not have it around me. I don't keep junk food at my house, whatever it is that is some sort of escapism or um, is a way or could be an excuse for me not doing the things that I want to do. I just don't keep it around me. And so in, in doing that, there there's two things that'll happen either something will be so incredibly uncomfortable or you're going to go do the thing that you want to do so in doing the thing that you want to do you're already happy in being extremely uncomfortable you have one or two choices to either give in or go do that thing that you wanted to do in the first place so i wouldn't that's the discipline that i really have is just making sure that if I'm not going to be pursuing this thing, it's just going to be extremely uncomfortable. And it's only going to force me into doing that thing. And that's kind of the way that I've held myself accountable is, okay, if you're not going to do this, not that you shouldn't be happy, but you have no other choice but to sit with the thought of you not doing this thing. Putting yourself, yeah. Yeah. So like if you're in sales, you know, in order to get someone to do something, sometimes you have to lean on a pain point. So what I've done is created ways to give myself my own pain points and checks in order to get myself to go do that thing. I love that. Putting yourself in a situation where you basically can't fail. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't, I don't give myself an option for me. Everything is binary. Um, I know the world is very gray, but when you choose for it to be black and white, it becomes very easy. It's like, do you want this? Yes or no? Not maybe. It's yes or no. And if it's maybe, it's really a no in the first place. Or there's something else to it that's going to keep you, keep it from being a yes for you. It makes me think about uh, Gary Vee when he talks about punting everything. Just punt everything. Just no. No, I just I think of that. I literally think of him as a TV, kicks it, kicks a PS4, just starts kicking <laughs> everything out his door. That's what I think about. He he does preach that a lot. What do you think about uh because I mean he puts out content like crazy. Do you kind of subscribe to that where it's you're putting out just massive amounts of content or you focus more on quality content? How do you do that? There has to be there has to be a balance in what you're comfortable with. I think people can get caught up in quality, um, but quality is also subjective. You know, to me, it's really about the quality of the context is what's important, not the quality of the media or media. 
right? So that's really what matters at the end of the day is what's going to be resonating with people, not that this video was shot on an iPhone and might be blurry or the audio might go in and out a couple times. That isn't going to be the make or break on something actually making a difference for somebody. And sometimes it'll even perform better because thinking about advertisements, advertisements are always pretty. They're always higher quality. And so when you put that on social media, if you put out that content at that quality, it can look like an ad to people and just turn people off where they don't even give it a chance because they, in their mind, perceive that as an ad because of that quality. If that makes sense. Yeah. So no, like, nobody wants to be sold. As, as I've gone out and shot, shoot some videos and stuff for Pastry Elite, I'll still go out and I'll do it on my phone, even though I know how to shoot on a DSLR because it looks more natural in the context of the social platforms. If I'm going to do something on YouTube, then it's okay for me to go out and use my DSLR or do whatever. It's still okay for me to create like a pretty picture on my DSLR and put that on Instagram. And you know, you, you have to see how something is um, and kind of go with that. And that's, that's kind of how uh, a viewpoint that I have is we, we want things to be a certain way and we try and force them to be that way versus understanding how something is and leaning into how can I make something fit in here and make it work for how people already do things because people will take the path of least resistance. So maybe that's why then every time you watch a Gary Vee video, it looks like it was shot off a phone on his Instagram. Uh, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure they end up doing whatever sort of filters or whatever the style of it, where it, it looks like it's, um, he's a smart guy. He, he yeah. knows how to make it, make it fit the part. Totally, man. So if, if somebody was going to want to get, get to the point to where you are now or pursue a very specific passion, um, what, where would you have people start? A, figure out what thing uh, is worth fighting for because it's not, it's not always easy. It's going to be hard uh, or I should say at least challenging. It's going to challenge you. Um, and there's going to be sacrifices that you have to make. So you have to be realistic with yourself in that sort of way. Like I said that I wanted to own my own business by the time I was 30. And so what I do from 20 to 30, I didn't go out. I ended up removing a lot of things that I enjoyed in order to pursue this thing. And I put in a lot of extra time on top of my regular schedule in order to teach myself the things I need to do. And so you have to get yourself to the point where you can say to yourself, am I willing to sacrifice certain things in my life to do this? And if it's, a no, then you have to be comfortable with what the reality of your situation is. Because to be able to run a business in today's day and age that's very competitive, it's it, you're going to be putting in a lot of time. So you have to be comfortable with what time you're going to be taking away from what you have now in order to feed this new thing that you want to do. So figure out 
is it worth it to get rid of an extra hour or two hours and I need to manage my time better? So get comfortable with that. I love that. <laughs> That's great, man. I, I was reading through your Instagram and there's one word that you use very specific and, uh, and whether it's your intro or certain photos. And there was one photo that I seen that it said if, and I almost want to read it off of my phone right now, but it's, you know, if, if you know your, if you know your passion, you know, pursue it relentlessly. You said something mm -hmm. such as that. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people it's because there's the idea of passion. And I've, I've heard this once where it said, you know, passion isn't something you, you find. It's not something you just like rustle around and you like, Oh, there it is. You know, it's something that you, you work on it and things become your passion. Like mm -hmm. if someone were to pursue their passion, I've, you know, a lot of times people do, I don't know what my passion is. I mean, how do you, how do you get to that point to where you know what it is? I know Gary V. Gary V. says just taste things. I think tasting things is, is a part of it and going out and doing a lot of things. But I think there's so many people that are out there that have things that they, um, that I would call passionate. They're passionate about them, but for whatever reason, they don't choose to acknowledge it of, as a passion because the level of expectation that they set for what that word means to them. And I think that's where in today's day and age, there's a lot of things that can be lost in translation. I think it all boils down to how you define something. So before you can even answer that question to say, how does someone find passion? Let's answer the question, what does passion mean for you? Because if you can't define what that question is or what that word means for you there's no way that you're going to be able to find it and then you also have to look at what other things are going on in your life if something else are is at that same level like I think coming from my situation that I did growing up and maybe not always having the things or going through um, like just trying times it makes you realize what a passion is or what positivity is because you know the opposite. If you know, uh, do something that you're not passionate about, do something that you hate, do something that you have zero interest in. And maybe you'll start rethinking what passion is after you go through enough things that you don't like. Cause I don't think it's the problem is not knowing what you like. It's just, if you only do things that you like, everything exact is exactly the same. So let's do the opposite. What's passion for you? What does that mean? For me, passion is just like a way of being. I'm just naturally curious about anything and everything. Um, I would, I'm the kind of person who, I wouldn't say I know everything, and I don't think that I do by any means. But I will say that I am hungry for knowledge. And having that curiosity and hunger for knowledge gives me the ability to enjoy anything. And I think that's something that's really important. And if I have the ability to enjoy anything, 
I just naturally become passionate about anything that I decide to devote any time to. And that's the thing. I, to me, it's, um, it comes down to a state of mind as you're doing something. It, to me, it's almost a choice. You, you can end up doing something. You end up saying, I want to do it. And I say, I would not that I would like this to be my passion, but I am telling myself that I'm going to give myself this time in order to do something and in order to do it. If I think you understand what passion is for you and you end up doing that thing, it just becomes very natural. And once you build one, it becomes very easy to build the others. So I think that's part of the reason why I have that sense of curiosity is because having sat in my first grade class and going, I don't know what the hell I'm doing here because it isn't giving me any extra whatever to my life. I, at that moment, that was me saying I'm passionate about hockey. It doesn't matter. Like nothing else matters besides that. And you continue to build on that and build on that. And then you say, okay, I want to do something else. And you have that discipline. So you just naturally become passionate about that because you have the discipline to support it. Love it. That's awesome, man. Yeah. This is, uh, this has been phenomenal. So, uh, six months from now, a year from now, we're, I guess, better question for me to ask now I'm thinking about it. What, what are the, the, the next problems that you're going to want to be solving or where are you going to want to be? Where do you see yourself? I would say the vision that I definitely have is to create an organization for pastry chefs to um, continue to learn, to grow, um, end up building the industry as a whole. And so everything else that's in between is, is meant to do that. So from the apron to wanting to do those events to um, traveling to highlight different products and educate people and spend time with other teachers and not be the one who's teaching, I think is important. And I think everything else is going to fall from there. I could see myself at some point, this is maybe like 10 or 15 down years down the line. I've mentioned how much the, trade that I wanted to do growing up has shaped me in the way that I am. And I think trades are important, especially as uh, the digital age comes about that we, we gravitate towards these things. I'd like to be able to help other trades as well. So there's, there's so many different things that are on my map and in my head, but I have to focus on getting this apron out first. So one brick at a time, man. Sweet. So where, where can people find you? We're all on all your pages and sites. So I would say to follow me personally, you can follow me at, at Tom Hamerka, H-E-M-E-R-K-A, at, uh, or on Instagram. Uh, to follow what I do with Pastry Elite, um, it's just at Pastry Elite. So you can find that on Facebook or Instagram. Um, I'll have to launch my actual website as the apron gets up, one of the problems. Uh, that I was trying to solve there, but um, yeah, on my on my personal page, one of the things that I do, of course, is talk about, um, of course, pastry, but having 
taught myself photography, videography, branding, and everything else. I kind of focus on those services and giving back and helping and looking to educate and help those people too. Sweet, man. All right. Well, uh, thanks so much for sharing your story and uh, I can't wait to see where this goes for you. Thanks so much. I'm really excited to see how the, what comes of the podcast and what, what you're building over there too. Thanks, man. No, I'm, I'm excited. And it's just, uh, and I've said this before on other podcasts, but you know, so much of our time is spent in our own space and being able to hear perspectives from other people and finally not listen to myself talk. It's probably the best benefit. I'm <laughs> <laughs> so, but all right, man, thank you so much. And I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon.